Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, a podcast where testicular cancer survivors, caregivers, and others who have navigated the cancer journey share their stories. The podcast comes to you from the Max Mallory Foundation, a nonprofit family foundation focused on educating about testicular cancer in honor and in memory of Max Mallory, who died in 2016 at the young age of 22 from testicular cancer. Had he survived, Max wanted to help young adults with cancer. This podcast helps meet that goal. Here now is your host, Joyce Lofstrom, Max's mom and a young adult cancer survivor. Matt Finch grew up in a motorcycle racing and riding family, and he's been riding since high school. At age 29, married and the father of three children, Matt learned he had testicular cancer, an unexpected interruption to his life, family, and track racing bikes near and far from his home in Woodbridge, Suffolk in the United Kingdom. More than four years later, he continues to race his motorcycle and uses racing as his platform to raise awareness about testicular cancer. Matt joins me today to tell his story of cancer survival and life on the racing track. So, Matt, I'm glad that you could be with me today. And, uh, Thanks for having me, Joyce. Thank you. So, tell us about your testicular cancer journey. What what happened? You know how you got through it. Anything you'd like to share? Well, it was a bit of a strange one. Well, I joined the army um, at 17. Went away, done all that stuff. Done a few years. Done a couple of tours, things like that. So, I'd always been fit, active. Um, I ate well. So the whole cancer thing was a bit of a shock to me because I thought I'd always lived a healthy lifestyle. You know, after the army, I worked as a personal trainer. So again, that sort of emphasized the whole eating well, living a good lifestyle, exercising and showing other people how to do that as well. So if I go back to 2017, when I was diagnosed, I wanted something similar to the army that was a little bit more regular in terms of sort of employment and, and it more of a regular income so I could support the family. So I applied for the police. It was something that I wanted to do because it was similar to the army and it offered all of those things, you know, like, like I said before, right. about the job security and the income and all the rest of it. I've been applying for about 10 years to try and get into the police. It's quite hard to get into in the UK. And I was in the final stages. I was actually, it was the day of my interview, my final interview. I had to give like a 10 minute presentation to all these Officers that are quite high up, and I was sort of sitting at the table practicing and rehearsing what I was going to say and what I was going to talk about. And um, I just noticed this uncomfortable feeling on my left testicle. Had a quick feel, realized that there was something strange about it. You know, there was a bit of a lump on the side and, and that sort of thing, but didn't really think much of it. I thought, as I said to you before, like I was fit, healthy, exercised, lived a good lifestyle. It's not going to be cancer. So I kind of put it to the back of my mind, um, went off for the interview, got the job, and then thought, right, let me go and get this looked at. Let me go and get it checked out and went off to the doctors. The doctor was actually really good. She kind of said, so what do you want from me? I said, well, you know, it's not right. It's not been like that before. I've never known, you know, I'm worried worried it's cancer. And she said, okay, hopefully it's not. We'll get you an urgent referral through to urology. 
And I went to see the doctor on the Friday and luckily I was seen by the Tuesday and that's where I had all the examinations done and I was told that, yeah, it's a tumour. Don't know if it's cancer yet, um, but we're going to get it taken out nice and quick. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it really in terms of the diagnosis and where my life was at. So it couldn't have really come at a worse time. Yeah, right. After your yeah. interview. Yeah. Yeah, luckily I got the job offer on the table and, you know, got the job secured and then told them after because I didn't, I, I didn't want to be like leaving them with sort of half information, if you know what I mean. Yes. So did you have to do chemo or was it just the surgery? Um, I had the surgery. So I got told on the Tuesday. I then had surgery on the Friday. So it was a bit of a mad few days between being told and having the surgery done. So I don't know how you, how you do it in um, America, but in the UK, I kind of had a meeting with a neurologist who said, yeah, you've got a tumor and then you need to come back in a couple of hours and speak to a nurse specialist. And then I sort of read her name badge and saw that her name was Debbie and she's an on- oncology specialist. And that's when I kind of realized that yeah. ah, this is a bit more serious then. And then what happened? I went for an appointment at a fertility clinic to give a, um, a sperm sample. I don't know if you do that in the... Um, yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it was like a pre-operation checkup that they do. So they do your blood pressure, your pulse, listen to your breathing and all of that stuff. And then I was in for surgery on the Friday. That all fell over the, like the Christmas period. Um, oh boy. Wow. Which... It's never a good time, but um, I guess the whole Christmas period could have potentially put a little bit of delay on kind of getting results done. So I had had the operation done on the Friday, and then I think I want a CT scan done sort of the week after that was Christmas Eve. So I didn't, I had a big, big delay on results to say whether things had spread and, and moved on. But luckily, it was only the tumor was only on the testicle. It hadn't spread anywhere else, you know, not to my lungs, to my lymph nodes, anywhere right. else, which was a obviously really good. Um, I was offered a follow-up of chemo. It's either way, whether you decide to do it or whether you do or whether you don't, it just obviously reduces the risk of anything else occurring and it makes sure that all the cells are taken care of. So obviously I took that chemo up just to be kind of on the really safe side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what my partner said. She said, you know, you're having that chemo. I said, okay, well, I'll have it then. <laughs> you sure? So yeah, I went, went off and had it. What do you have in the in America? Well, it's kind of like that. They once they find the the lump, they want to move ahead pretty quickly. They don't want to yeah. delay because it you know it does spread quickly if it's more advanced. So I think your time frame is about right. Trying to get it done within a week, and you know the chemo. I've talked to some young men who it hadn't spread and they didn't do the chemo, and it came back a few years later. Yeah, uh, I know one guy out of all the people I've talked to, which is probably 25 plus that didn't do the chemo and has never come back. So, you know, it's so personal. Yeah, it's 50-50, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you never know. So Yeah, um, I thought the course I was offered was a five-day course. It's called BEP, B-E-P. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a mixture of three drugs. Again, I don't know if it's the same for you guys over there, but um, that was what yep. I was offered. And so that was a five-day stay in hospital, which ended up being about seven, actually, two separate visits, one week after the five-day stay, and then another one the week after, so five days, week's break, in hospital for a day, another week's break, and then in hospital again for like a two-hour session, and then all done. 
That's great. Then, so when you only yeah. had to have one session of chemo, so that's much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research around it, and of course, when you do that, you people only talk about kind of the bad experiences of it all, don't they? With anything, yeah. you know, you go to it, you read up and do some research on a restaurant. I don't know what they're like in America, but in the UK, people will say, oh, "I've had a bad meal there." They won't say, "I've had a brilliant meal." People all say oh, it's been a bad meal. So it's the same for like the chemo. Obviously, it's not something that you choose to have, is it? It's not something like you go yeah. out for a meal and you want to have it. But, you know, a lot of information was out there and it was all, oh, it was really bad, you know, fatigue and all of that. And I wish I hadn't read it because the fear of having that chemo was a lot worse than the reality for sure. Right. And the doctors always tell you not to read it. Don't go to Dr. Yeah. Google. But, you know, we do. I mean, it's kind no, of it's human nature. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just curious, so, aren't we? So what do you think was your biggest challenge through all of this? I think the biggest challenge was probably telling the kids was hard. Yeah. I'm trying to think how old they would have been. So we only had two at the time. We had William. I think he was about seven and Isabella was about five. I think that's about right. Things are pretty black and white when you're seven and five, you know. Yes. You don't, William kind of knew what cancer was and it was like, oh, you're going to die then. <laughs> and it was like, well, no, not everybody who has cancer dies. You know, it's been caught really early on and, and all of the rest of it and just trying to reassure him and explain to him, that, you know, things are going to be different for a few weeks, but um, explain maybe that there might be some side effects. You know, I might lose my hair and all of that. He was, he was actually really good and really receptive to it. It was a bit more challenging with Isabella, the youngest one. So it was a way of using language and saying, you know, there's something growing in my tummy. It's okay because the doctors have taken it out and I've just got to have some medicine just to make sure it doesn't come back. So that was, that was quite hard telling the kids. Yeah. But of course it's a fear of the unknown, isn't it? And like I say, I had that long period where it was about three weeks between being told that it was just in the testicle, that it hadn't spread, you know, from doing the CT scan, the x-rays, the blood tests and all of that. That was, that was a big challenge for me, I think, mentally, just the unknown. Yes, waiting is, yes, it's, it's the hardest thing of any kind of, any illness, I think, is waiting for the results yeah. and what's next. So I was lucky, my nurse, Debbie, that worked with me through everything, she, she gave me a phone call, whether she should, whether she shouldn't have done, she said, Matt, you know, I know it's Christmas. I know there's a long wait, but I've had a look at your results and everything's going to, you know, everything looks good. So whether she maybe didn't have to say that or shouldn't have said that or what, I don't know. But she, it was nice. That she went out of the way and gave me that bit of reassurance. You know, and I think that's great. If she could look at the results and call you and tell you that. This is one of my pet peeves, I think, with any kind of test that you have. It's like, okay, we're, we did these blood works or we did whatever. And the doctor will call you. Well, you know, if it's there right the next day or the same day, call me. Don't make me wait. You know what I mean? I think that that's something that it just it's so hard as a patient, you know, and I'm glad that Debbie called you. I mean, I think that had to help make it much more, much easier, I guess, to enjoy the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. It took a lot of pressure off for sure. Yeah. It was nothing like having that reassurance from the doctor. I'm not saying the doctor's any better than the nurse or anything like that. Right. They're, no, all, I get they're that. all, you know, they all have the same information, don't they? But yeah. Yeah, they do. But I know nice. what you mean. So you mentioned earlier about all the things you read that it was all negative. What, what would have helped you in reading that? What would have made, what would have helped you not feel 
or like fear the unknown, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, it would have helped maybe talking to someone that had been through it. Yeah. But then again, everybody has a different experience with everything, don't they? Especially medication and things. But um, certainly my actual experience of the chemo was, wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So yeah. I, think I, I think I maybe only had one evening where I was kind of vomiting every, I don't know, once every 15 minutes for, yeah. you know, a good few hours until uh, they were able to get some anti-sickness in me. But once we realized, okay, this drug does this to me, let's give another drug to sort out the nausea and the vomiting. That's one, one of the side effects taken care of, isn't it? Yes. yes That's one of those things. So yeah, it would have been good to have a, have a talk to someone who'd actually been through it. Yeah. So I've spoken to people now that have been through it and said, well, I had the chemo, I've had this drug and this done this to me, but it didn't do this to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Certainly someone to say it's not as bad as maybe it's all been made out. But like I say, it's, my experience might be different to somebody else's. And as I touched on before, you know, I was quite fit, I think, relatively speaking. You know, I'd, I'd had years and years and years of exercise and strength training and all, and all that. I don't know whether that helped me out. No, I think it probably did. I would think yeah. so. So did you go back to being a police officer? Is that your... Yeah. Your, yeah. yeah. So like I say, I was joining at the time. That's what I'm doing at the moment. That's great. And I, I hope to stay there. Yeah. I don't want to change jobs again. At- well, we need, you know, good police officers anywhere in the world. So yeah. I'm glad you found your path that way. Let's switch to the, the uh, track racing on your motorcycle. My experience with motorcycles, bikes, is just with men I've dated riding on the back of a 450 Honda in college and then a Harley about 20 years ago. I watched your video on this track racing. It's quite... um, Oh, you did? It's quite challenging. I mean, just so talk about what track racing is and your bike and just how you got into it. I got into it really from parents, grandparents. So everybody in my family has ridden motorbikes. So my grandfather is in his late 80s. He's only just finished riding and he's ridden all his life. Um, Mm. My mum used to ride until me and my brother were around. So um, my dad rode and he also, um, he raced. So it's called Speedway. So it's like a dirt oval track. It's what he used to do. It's dirt. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite challenging. You know, I've seen it on yeah. TV and stuff and remember watching him as a kid and that. And he, he used to race up until kind of we were, well, till I was in my early teens, really. I learned to ride on my, one of my grandfather's bikes in his garden, um, which we actually built up from kind of a box of spares and things. So we had, he had a box. It was all dismantled, uh, a bike. It was all dismantled and we sort of built it together. And then I learned to ride it in the garden, which was cool took my bike test when I was 16 to learn to ride on like a little moped kind of thing as you do most kids do in um, the UK and then progressed up through the road riding I went out on track with a friend of mine who'd kind of done a little bit before me um, and I really enjoyed it and then done the odd sort of track day and things on the bigger bike as I got a bit older and then when I got ill I thought well you know I'll watch the racing on the TV and, and realize actually it's a bit more accessible than I thought it is, if you know what I mean. It's quite easy to get into. Yeah. So uh, I thought once I was better from my illness, I need to give it a go, really, because I don't want to have any regrets. So here we are. So the bike I have is uh, it's quite an old bike. 
It's a Yamaha R6. It was made in 2004, so it's a 600cc bike. It's relatively small, sort of in comparison, but um, it's still it's still capable. It's still quick. It still keeps up with sort of the modern day bikes and that. And um, yeah, the racing is something that I've done, like I say, since I've been ill. Uh, you join a club in the UK. So there's a few different clubs around, and all the racing happens on kind of the big main tracks when where the British Championship takes place. So I'd only done about four or five rounds so far but it's certainly something that I want to carry on in the future one because it's something that I've always been interested in but two it does help raise awareness of this testicular cancer to everybody else that's in the sort of racing world because they're all guys right or majority guys within that sort of age range where you're most at risk of it it just seemed like a good thing to do to pair the two together so this is a basic question, but so track racing, you're on a track, yeah. you're, on a, you're on a team, so the team competes in the race, and the track is like concrete or asphalt. It's not dirt, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarmac, yeah. Okay. I just want to make yeah. sure I got the picture. So, all yeah. right. Well, it looks like it's a lot of maneuvering on the bike, which it's way you physical. have to yeah, yeah, turn yeah, your body to, you know, so. Yeah, you're very involved in how the bike turns and things. You know, you've got to shift your weight over to from one side to another and you know some tracks are fairly simple and straightforward you know there's there's not too much to it but there's other tracks where they're quite hilly and there's loads of corners one after another it's it's quite physical you yeah. know the laps yeah. we go we go for like eight ten laps at a time which it goes isn't, isn't that long in comparison to like oh what is it american superbikes and things like that but yeah. you know it's still on the bike for 20 30 minutes working hard physically and having to concentrate hard as well I know you've been working with an organization called On the Ball to where yeah. to raise to raise awareness. So tell us about your work with that group. I got approached by Vince, the um, the owner of It's On the Ball, so it's a charity. They're based in Norwich, which is like about an hour an hour's drive from here, and it covers like the south of England. And what they want to do is they they go into schools, colleges, businesses, and deliver talks about awareness. So they deliver like educational talks. They talk about risk factors, signs, symptoms, treatment, you know, how to check yourself, that sort of thing. Yeah. They hold events. So at the start of the summer, somebody pushed like a, a giant beer keg from Norwich, where the charity was based, all the way down to London. Oh, wow. Okay. Over the course of a week. So that was quite good. His, um, his lad unfortunately passed away from cancer. So that's yeah, why he's involved. That's why he done that. So he raised about £15,000 for the charity, which is incredible for what he done. Um, yeah. What else? They offer like a buddy system for anybody who's been through cancer. So um, that's like what I said earlier, you know, it would have been great to have somebody who's been through it just to kind of put my mind at ease, really. If I'd known about this on the ball, I would have certainly got in touch and maybe found out about this buddy system thing when I was going through it. Yeah. I really, really value what they do. I've delivered a couple of like, educational events at um, college and I've taken the bike along to bike show. Oh, that's again, great. Oh, which that's is everybody. like, um, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good audience to be delivering that too, really. And obviously the bike's a good talking point, isn't it, for, for people? You know, it gets people interested and then you get talking about the charity and before you know it, they're experts on testicular cancer as well, which is good. Well, it shows them too what. What happens after testicular cancer and how your yeah, life yeah. goes on and what you can do and, you know, 
And I noticed in one of the clips that you had, it looked like a, I'll call it an ad, but you had that name on the back of your bike, didn't you? It's on the ball or? Yeah, that's them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they've got, um, they've just got some stickers on the bike for them and things. Yeah. Which again is like another talking point, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's, uh, I was going to say it's an unusual way to raise awareness, but you know, it really isn't when you think about the number of men who like to ride motorcycles or bikes. And what do you call I mean, I call them bikes or motorcycles. What, bikes, what do you call yeah. them? What do you bikes. call them? In, bikes? Yeah. 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 Okay. I just wondered what the UK terminology was, you know. So what advice do you have for any young man that might think he has testicular cancer? Go to the doctors as soon as you can and explain to them, tell them that I think it could be cancer or I'm worried it might be cancer. Can we please rule it in or out so we can deal with it? Because in my time of doing this, I've been approached by a few people and they've said, I've got this symptom, I've got this pain, I've got this lump, whatever. They've gone to the doctors and the doctors have said, go away, have a week, have some antibiotics, have some painkillers, keep an eye on it and come back if it doesn't go away. And a lot of people would go away, not want to, you know, bother the doctor again and potentially miss something that's really quite important. So my message is for people to see the doctor, be quite insistent and say, I want it ruled out or in and deal with it because it is easy to, to kind of not deal with it. You know, that's good advice because a lot of people, like you say, once the doctor says that, they're not going to come back. So Yeah. yeah and I've had friends that have, like I say, that have, have had issues and they've gone to the doctors and they've been told just to go away in a week, you know, come back in a week's time. And a week could make quite a bit of difference to somebody. Yes. I'd hate to think like how it would have been if I'd waited a week. You know, things might have changed, you know, could have ended up in the bloodstream and who knows what. So Right. So what's next for you, Matt? What's what's ahead in your life? Anything? You My want- life. The dream for the racing would be yep. to kind of race at a national level. I'm a little way off that yet. I'm a long way off that, actually. <laughs> but I've come a long way since I first started. So I've got a lot of support from um, the kind of ex-professional racers and things like that. And I'd like to take it's on the ball on the journey with me and carry on doing what I'm doing. I've since, so since all this cancer thing, I've, I've had a little boy. Okay. Rufus, who's two now. So again, that shows that life does go on. You know, you still can have kids after cancer and after having a testicle removed and things like that. And he was conceived naturally. So um, everything's Wonderful. doing what it should be doing. Yeah. So I want to carry on being a good dad to all the kids and um, living a good life and, you know, making the best of what time I have with them and the family. Obviously, my Lucy as well, my, my partner. So, um, yeah, just just carry on working hard, you know, and kind of not put cancer behind me, but, you know, carry on living. Right. That's doesn't define of, you, you know. It's, no. So my last question is a fun question, I think. So what song, when you hear it, that what you just have to sing along when you hear that song? It's got to be something Nickelback, I think. Okay. I think it takes me back to... Kind of being a teenager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I always say the Beatles. So that the Beatles. Was, yeah. Well, when I was a teenager. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't thanks. say. Yeah. yeah I ahead. won't say. I won't say when life was more simple as a kid or, yeah. or more easy, but um, just different. Yeah, I just think different. that's yeah. You're right. Just different. 
Well, thanks for taking the time and the patience to, so we could connect to do our podcast. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks um, for having me on. Thanks for oh, having yeah. me on. So when you get to that national race, I'll be watching and we'll, we'll call you back. And, yeah, we'll <laughs> let you know, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For any time. It doesn't have to be the nat- national race, but, you know, I know that's a goal. So Yeah, if, um, mm-hmm. if, if the listeners um, want to get me on social media or anything, you, so you can find me on Instagram. If you look at 445 One Ball Racing, that's me. That's probably the best way of getting hold of me. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got a That's Facebook page. Thing, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I've got a Facebook page as well, which I'm not as up to date on, but um, yeah, Instagram's probably the one. I've also got the YouTube channel as well. So if you look at 445 One Ball Racing, that's all the videos and things of racing and bike maintenance and all of that sort of stuff. So um, give it a look, drop me a message, say hi. It'd be good to hear from you. Yeah, it'd be great. So thanks for sharing that. Thanks well, once again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our program on your favorite podcast directory. You can also visit the Max Mallory Foundation at www.maxmalloryfoundation.com slash podcast to listen to previous podcast episodes or donate to the foundation. And join us again next time for another episode of Don't Give Up on testicular cancer.